ESG, which Environmental Social Governance, is transforming into impact. So ESG it refers to avoiding risk. But then on the other side, impact is, is an intention. So you, you want to do a positive social or environmental change. And that was David Masaida, and this is Climate Tech Talks. Hi, and welcome to the Climate Tech Talks. I'm your host, David Contreras, an energy professional with over 12 years of experience in the sector. We will explore in this series, along with CEOs, founders, and the leaders in the clean and climate tech sector, the different pathways and technologies that will drive society towards a net zero future. Please join us. In this episode, we talked with David Masaida, a carbon impact specialist at Responsibility. He described his own journey in the energy transition, how he made it from a pure oil and gas role into what it is now his role in an impact as asset management firm. He walks us through the three main thesis of the company, and we discussed about the importance of metrics, accountability, transparency, on how that impact is reported. Finally, we talked about how the industry navigates the perceived risks of emerging economies before deciding where and how to allocate those impact dollars. We definitely learned a lot with David, so we hope you enjoy the conversation too. Oh, welcome again to the Climate Tech Talks. I'm really excited today to have one of my actually school friends from probably 20, no more, like almost 30 years ago, which is incredible. Uh, I'm having today with me a special guest is David Masaida. He's working currently at Responsibility. Uh, hi, David. How are you doing? Hi, David. Uh, I don't know if you prefer David or David. <laughs> Maybe for your audience. We are, we are both Davids. This is or, original version. <laughs> yeah, thanks Thanks for inviting me. It's, it's really exciting and, and to join your project. I have the chance to listen to the first podcast and, and it's been really amazing. So I feel flattered compared to the rest of uh, super entrepreneurs you're bringing to the table. No, no, it's a pleasure for me. Uh, where, where are you calling us from today, David? Uh, actually, I'm working from home in Zurich. I'm based in Zurich. Uh, I live here since the past uh, almost three years now. Uh, nice. Okay. Very nice and colorful place. <laughs> so before we, we jump in into you know your background uh, and what's been your journey and what you're doing now, can you briefly describe what or who responsibility is? What, what sort of... Uh, company. Uh, so can you can you describe that? Yeah, of course. So responsibility is an asset manager in in the field of development and impact impact investing. Uh, we can discuss later what impact investing is. Um, it was founded almost 20 years ago in 2003, and currently we manage a little bit more than three billion US dollars in, in what we call assets under management. And and the company, what the company does, it we invest mainly through providing debt and but also equity in three key sectors in financial inclusion, sustainable food and, and climate finance. And probably we are discussing today because of the climate finance part. And and that is more or less we can say is one third of the business is close to one billion assets under management. And yeah, you have been discussing this with a lot of people in, in the last months. Climate finance is from uh, energy efficiency to 
a huge utility scale renewable energy projects. So we are across all the climate finance space. Fascinating. And, and I guess that those three key themes or key areas are in a way all interconnected as well, I, I would say, right? Because you're talking about food security, financial inclusion and climate finance, financial. Would you say that they're kind of interconnected, correlated? Yes, of course. Actually, the, the, as you may know, the food system is maybe almost one third a bit more of the, the contributes to the greenhouse emissions of the world. So being able to, one, provide finance to farmers and, and all the people across the value chain of the, of the food system, and also being able to deploy across that value chain climate finance solutions or, or climate investments is 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 a, actually is a perfect connection no? absolutely no I, I, super interesting we, we will get back to to that interconnection in, in a bit but i'm just just gonna backtrack for for everyone uh, to you know know a bit more of yourself so we started together we studied in caracas in, in venezuela can you uh, walk us through your journey i know that you you afterwards what well, you you did engineering and you left Venezuela to join Repsol. Can you take us from, from that journey? Yes, and been a long time since that. Um, I would say I left Caracas in 2007, almost 14 years now. Um, I had the chance to, I won a scholarship to do a master's degree in Spain in, in what is used to be the, or still called the Repsol um, training center. It's, it's like the um, IFP school but uh, for Repsol. Uh, I did a master's in refining gas and, and chemicals, and, and after that I joined as a process engineer in, in the Puerto Llano refinery. So just for those of you who don't know Spain, it's a place between Madrid and the coast, the south coast, it's more or less half the distance. There I, I worked as process engineer in several refining units, but in very early it was part of projects um, that contributed to increase the energy efficiency of the of the process. You know, that was maybe my first encounter with the energy efficiency world. There, uh, from there, I moved to Madrid to the headquarters in 2016, if I remember well, and so this, in the sustainability team. Short after I, I got back to the refining world, still on, on, on sustainable related activities and energy efficiency. And half family reasons, half professional reasons, I, I moved to, to Switzerland uh, uh, three years ago, actually. And my wife actually was working in Geneva, and, and we decided to stay a bit more and move to Zurich. Uh, and I got a great chance to work for responsibility now. So it's a, it's that for for the last three years with responsibility. Correct, right? Correct. Yeah, it's always funny, right? So usually all these kind of big, big item decisions it involves the family it's similar to kind of my journey to to come and uh, to london etc but but awesome no thank you thank you for that uh, and that take us to your current position can you can you say what's your current role and uh, what sort of uh, you know markets and within the three brackets that you described earlier where, where do you fit into the organization yeah so currently i'm part of the in the climate finance team and within that, in the business development unit, my role, um, it's, the name is a bit long, it's called Carbon Impact Specialist. Um, what I do is, one, from one side, I give support to my colleagues in understanding uh, the technology part of it. Uh, I also do a bit of quality assurance on the, on the numbers we report. And, and if we discuss impact investment later, this is key. So transparency and accuracy on the reporting of the figures. 
especially of course in the in the emissions space and also um, um, a bit especially for these type of questions uh, linked more towards the investor side so we have also a team of engineers that works towards our clients our what we call our investees and that provide technical support and, and advisory on on energy efficiency and renewable energy that they work a bit more towards the investors and actually create, uh, developing the frameworks for our funds on, on what is the right way to uh, assess the project decide if it's eligible and and after it's approved uh, how we monitor the and report the emission savings which companies then invest in you are they like the lps uh, obviously this is going to be kind of a one-on-one uh, discussion for, for our audience to, to understand but who is investing in responsibility to then allocate all these funds okay so the the, the, the money flows from uh, i would say there is a big part from development financial institutions so you have big development banks i would say for example the the german development bank kfw we have the international finance corporation which is part of the world bank we have also the european investment bank that's that's one important part then um apart from that of course uh, i cannot disclose the name of all the investors but um, there are i, I understand pen- yeah, pension yeah. funds for example are also a very important part uh, insurance companies large ins- insurance companies there is some private uh, corporates so companies that can invest and then uh, we have part of our funds are distributed through through retail chains so um anybody can invest in those um quite diverse investor base yeah a different pool of of investors Uh, and you are in an impact investing fund impact investment obviously that's quite in the news lately it's getting a lot of momentum and a lot of visibility but you guys, or the, you mentioned it was founded in the early 2000s. Uh, why do you think impact investment, and then we will get the chance to describe it, but why impact investment is so visible and important at the moment? Probably a mix of things, but I would say, at least from the climate side, Paris Agreement was a key inflection point. Also, the way to i would say not simplify maybe it's not the right word because it's quite complex on the background but the way to organize the sustainable development goals into 17 key areas with colorful icons of making it more safely and i don't want to 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 talk bad about about our ipcc colleagues but that colorful icons compared to 400 pages from the ipcc report actually makes at least more people aware of what what's the content behind Social responsibility from corporates is also increasing. The social pressure is, is also increasing on those corporates to to use better the funds. Um, and so it's a, it's a bunch of things. But I would say awareness by the by the people and and that awareness is being caused by better flow of information or more adapted flow of information. But also uh, the, that that how they translate that pressure upstream, not to the to the corporates and. And, and, and the people with the resources. No, I agree. And it's all this uh, uh, renewed talk about the ESG fundamentals and ESG uh, focus from a lot of the corporates, as you mentioned. But let's get back to, to, to the basics. So you, you, you said that so it's impact investing. So what's a 101? What, what, how would you describe impact investment? Obviously, what, what sort of future you see i think that is this is a growing trend but do you see that the 
there's going to be a, an, an acceleration of this uh, impact investment asset, I guess I would say. Yeah, for sure. So actually, you mentioned the key. One of the key terms is ESG. So ESG, which is environmental, social, and governance, is transforming into impact. So ESG it refers to avoiding risk. So you can you need to avoid risk on the environment. You need to avoid risk on on the social part. Meaning, I don't know some examples like child labor, proper working conditions, uh, impact on indigenous communities, and then the governance part of how you manage your organization. That's avoiding risk. Impact on the other side, so, and that's we should not take that for granted. Actually, so there is this is still necessary. Is investing focus on the ESG because it's, it's not as common as people may think. But then on the other side, impact is is an intention. So you you want to do a positive social or environmental change. This I guess the is still investing because people there still want to get some financial return from the investments. But the, also the one important part that I mentioned before is 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 the ability to prove that impact, not to give a proof of that impact. Uh, but that's a, that's maybe the key difference between ESG investing and and impact investing. And and with impact, whatever is across the SDGs is it's, it could be considered as impact investing within the SDG goals. You, you said, Correct. yeah, yeah. So it's all about the intentionality. Is is bringing you know purpose to how. It, you know the the investors are allocating the, that money, Great. and I guess that that ties quite well with the transparency and visibility side of things that you mentioned earlier. So, how a company like, like Responsibility brings that to the table? So, how are you accounting? You know, even CO two emissions. How important are those? Uh, what sort of key metrics? I know I know that it's a lot of discussion on what metrics to 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 discuss and put on the table, but how is your company onboarding that theme, that, that topic? I think it's, it's actually one added value or, or something that can differentiate different investors or, or asset managers because um, unfortunately there is still the um, several shades of color of washing, as you can say, green washing, maybe the, the most common one. So without proper reporting and monitoring, it's, it's, it's where you, you can see the difference between a, a good investment and a bad one. No? For every product we manage, there are metrics or uh, that we track every quarter or every year. One thing about the work company is that there are larger asset managers. So we, we have also the being a, a not large, I would say, uh, asset manager, we have the opportunity to be closer to our investees, not to our clients. So um, we guide them. We also transform the companies um, and, and, and we have a lot of people on the ground. So actually talking to them on a day-to-day basis, so it's it's probably easier in that sense. But the, the, it, that that should not be lost when when the assets under management go up and in or, or grow in size. So establishing clear criteria, performance metrics, monitoring well, reporting those. So it's not only the monitoring, but transparently share them with the public. So yeah, that's that's probably the key part. And as you mentioned, the regulation is, is becoming more strict. Uh, especially in Europe, probably probably not everywhere, but especially in Europe, the, the regulation is becoming more strict, and, and there is still a lot to do in, in in how will people will fill out those tables. No, this is probably not the work of the regulators, but the, the implementation part will be also important. Totally, there's some a couple of question marks. So speaking of of kind of remit, so both in terms of geographical extension. But also, even from a technology standpoint, if we just 
focus on the climate finance that you're involved with. So are the projects that you're looking at or the companies looking at, do they have like a, hey, just in this continent or in this kind of developing world or are, are they part of a, you know, global strategy? So far, we're only in emerging economies. That means, I would say, LATAM, Sub-Saharan Africa, Middle East, North Africa, and, and Asia Pacific. So excluding, yeah, Europe and, and the US and, and the, the yeah, and Australia, Japan, and so on. But yeah, and across those, it's a lot of countries. With we, uh, we do the three key teams I mentioned before. So we have investments in all the teams in in all those regions. Right. So how how do you then uh, what, how how would it look like that decision making process is hey how do we make sure that we can have the most impact in each project you know depending I guess on the region and the subject yada 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 but how how does that work in, in in practice it's like hey shall we look at i don't know carbon sequestration versus renewable projects versus avoiding uh, emissions H- how does that look like in, in you know when you guys are discussing hey this is a matrix what, what where shall we allocate this or that dollar at the moment and, and the, depends on the product we manage several products we have limited exposure to let's say more advanced technologies such as carbon capture is maybe becoming more normal so but we also are in a niche that that where the finance is needed no so we're in in, in that maybe smaller space not it's not large infrastructure projects we have some limitations but that smaller scale new energy what we call commercial industrial so smes uh, small and medium enterprises that are looking to to reduce uh, their emissions or or, the, or increase the share of renewable energy they consume and so that is Probably the, the impact is also the additionality, what we call additionality is there in, in where the finance is needed. No? So to finance a huge 200 megawatt project, for sure you have those, even those same big investors can, can put the money there. But when you have to go to a smaller projects which requires more attention to details or less, or they have less experienced developers, then this is where we come in. No? Uh, and I'll actually, even in the financial inclusion sector, we're talking about, I don't know, people that need a few dollars to to open a, a very small business from a barbershop, bakery, and and even there you can you can help them and guide them to, okay, uh, if you're opening a bakery, uh, our partners there can help you to find uh, the most energy efficient solution because the bakery oven will be a source of energy consumption and you can save some utilities there no? and, and, and reduce your impact. That's just maybe very basic example from the one part of the of the value chain and but on the other side we also do bit larger solar and, and wind and, and biomass projects too. No fascinating. So in, in case of maybe dollar allocation and maybe even the the, the differences from per region. Obviously we come from that time uh, ourselves what would you say are the main challenges uh, or the main obstacles in emerging markets, right? Is it the regulation side uh, or is it exactly what you, you, you're providing? Is it the financial instruments that are put in place or, or a combination of the factors? What, what would you say to, to that? Yeah, I, I hope when my colleagues listen to this, I, I provide the right answer. Of course, it's a combination of factors, but... Uh, especially, and we come from developing economies, the risk 
perception is, is, is probably the, the biggest barrier to overcome. Uh, so investors want a solid return. Yes, they want to do impact and, and that's a very important part from them. So they, they, they are happy to provide the money for an additional thing apart from the financial return, but they still pro understand that they, they want to protect their, their, their assets, no? As, as we do, no? So we're, uh, if, if you will put your money in a bank or you would you put your money in investment, you will don't expect that the money is uh, disappearing because of sudden government change or um, lack of regulation. So that probably that that's the, the biggest challenge is is a normal challenge in developing economies. No? It's a risk perception. That being said, that, that there is a lot of entrepreneurs and and there are people looking to change things in those countries. Uh, and and that's also the, if you, once you have the, that people on board, then it makes things easier no? to, to support them with finance. Uh, because you, you have to do it like, a, it's a country assessment, but you have also to do a client assessment. Yeah, and I guess uh, sadly, but in many cases, probably I would imagine the partnerships at the, at the local level are, are key to unlock the, this full potential for for impact investments. Right. Um, so let me let me drill down a bit on on the climate finance slash risk. Obviously, early in the year we we saw Larry Fink from from BlackRock mentioning the climate uh, risk is is finance risk, or maybe I'm misquoting him, but it, that's the essence. Uh, how you guys are assessing the climate risk, obviously, with places as our own continent and in Africa where more drought, droughts will, are expected, uh, flooding, etc. Do you provide you know, support to some of the areas or expected regions that are going to be even more affected by, by those kind of severe weather conditions? And if so... What, what sort of uh, angle and, and projects are you backing in that in that aspect? Also, one of the added values that the company has, and probably other other impact investors also have these kind of teams. We have what is called a technical assistant team. Uh, what they do is they provide that that support for the different business lines we have. So, for example, for the sustainable food one. Apart from the finance, and, and it's also good to protect your, your interests as an investor. No? So you need to provide training, provide uh, tools, local consultants supporting on specific topics, as as you mentioned, like climate risk assessment, supporting the, the our investees in into addressing those problems, and 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 that is part of the also what makes impact investing. I think is very nice because it's, it's not only okay, I give you the money, but also I give you the the means and the tools to. To make to use that those funds properly, no? yeah. So that's very very custom support could vary from the yeah, training to local banks in in what is energy efficiency could be taking one client to another place where the project has gone well just to show the best practice could be a specific study on climate risk could be yeah, marketing support to help them develop the product. Kind of a wide range of services. Yeah, exactly. And, and also, of course, it covers the, the part heavy burden from our side, which is a, ensuring that we're additional and we can collect the data that we need to ensure that the impact is there. Which I guess is one of the tricky parts, right? It's, it's hard to sometimes uh, have a uniform way of 
measuring that different regions and countries and even types of projects, which I guess uh, brings me to, a, to an interesting topic before we, we, we wrap up. So what sort of innovations you, you will see in the space, even in terms of climate reporting, what sort of things you, you think maybe from a startup perspective in terms of data collection, transparency, visibility that helps companies like yours clients and the society at large to make better decisions and locate you know the money where actually will have the the biggest impact what are you excited about in terms of technology so uh, we come from the technical world and especially from oil and gas i would say that i hope that mr gates if he hears this something he doesn't feel offended so we, we still work um surprisingly amount of our time is so the i, I saw a comic once once ago, uh, some time ago so the world is supported by excel spreadsheets so everything we do is in an excel spreadsheet yeah sure and and there, i hope that at some point probably is a perfect data analysis tool or data management tool but uh, for example we have seen a lot of innovations uh, early stage now, and I'm happy to, to give you some names in the space. On blockchain, if I will let, let you know, just an example. So if you want to measure carbon capture in the soil or in a tree, what you do is you send someone with a meter, like a, if you're a carpenter or, or, or an architect with a meter, and uh, go around the tree, see the circumference, and do some numbers or you need to take some samples of the soil, which is necessary still, no? The soil sample this is probably still necessary. But if you compare that with a forestry project, which is supervised by drones, which monitor the, the area that is not being deforested or how the area is growing, or I've seen some innovations uh, again in the forestry or agricultural space with sat satellites reading the colors of the forest or the, or the crops and predict droughts, as you mentioned before, so that that's a technology innovation in the space, because you can still maybe you can need to use Excel for your reports, but at least you get the data in real time. Reduce time time is precious here, and and, and all those verifications require a, a lot of, of time and resources on the ground because you need to prove the impact. But technology will be a, a key player there. I guess that that leads me maybe just jumping in there. Companies like Planet with you know their own satellite constellations. I was also reading yesterday uh, companies like Climacell that are really getting really uh, smart in terms of weather prediction. Uh, and it's what you're saying, right? It's just trying to be more predictive in advance to see how crops are changing or or where the CO2 content is is in either a tree or the soil, as you described. That's uh, oh, really really interesting. And on the on the heavy technology space, like or yeah, because we also from from that world, I. Carbon capture needs to play a role. It could be nature resolutions like forestry or, or, or soil or, or biomass, but uh, carbon capture will be there for sure. And actually, uh, we have close to, to our office here in Zurich, uh, I would say half an hour from here, there is a direct air carbon capture facility. Uh, Microsoft is supporting them a lot, for example, and it's, it's very, I won't say the concept seems basic, but there is a lot of technology behind. And, and actually they're building a huge facility in Iceland because it needs to be cheap and, and, and clean power, let's say. But at some point with all the net zero commitments that are there in the in the press actually, so you need to reduce, 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 but at, at some point you still need to capture and, and, 
and the store, no? And do you see that that, that kind of technology will have a place in, in emerging company uh, countries where you know in, with heavy industries or where there are a bunch of steel coal mines and and other sort of heavy steel production? Do you see that carbon capture either at the industrial scale there or even direct air, as you mentioned? Uh, do do you think that they can make a difference in in emerging economies? If you talk to them, uh, probably yes. Uh, I, I agree. I agree in the sense that it, it will be needed. It will be hard to to build that at such a big scale. Uh, but again, so energy efficiency is on the first, and so reduce, 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 and then offset or or capture. That's uh, that's the that's the key thing. And if you can uh, just avoid them altogether, right? The, yeah. the emissions. Yeah, exactly. So what what this is carrying and and is the the consumption rate and and the, how the population is growing faster than than all that these technologies are deploying. I I hope it changes at some point the rate and that the technology can move faster. But yeah, probably in these 20 minutes that we have been uh, talking, so uh, there is a new people demanding for more energy and more energy and more energy, no? And, and that's also something that it's part of the impact, no? So part of our impact investment is, is providing energy access because, it, yeah, one, uh, we discussed, no? 800 million people doesn't have access to electricity still. So that's absolutely awful. Yeah. And 1.7 million people doesn't have a bank account or, or cannot use money as we do. If you go, well, now we cannot go out, but something as simple as having your savings or, or go buying a coffee, so 1.7 billion people doesn't have access to finance. So it's, it's impressive. Yeah. The, the, it's the... crazy numbers. Yeah. And and I, I totally agree. I think that it's sort of the conversation and the, the nuance element that it's lacking a bit. Sometimes when, when we talk about, you know, energy transition, which is very uh, developed country oriented. But when you talk those uh, figures that you just described, brings another dimension of the challenge, right? And, and how you know, companies like yourselves, I would say, will, will have to, you know, provide different solutions for, for those markets. Yeah, fascinating. So one last word, uh, David, it's, it's been great. Can you recommend uh, maybe a, a book that inspires you and maybe a, a, a podcast that you, you've been following? <laughs> podcast, this one for sure. <laughs> and, Thank you. And book, I'm very tempted to, to read the new Bill Gates book. I haven't read it yet, but this uh, is probably my yeah. next one. Uh, it's it's in my list, definitely. <laughs> it's amazing because uh, yeah, those big corporates are, are uh, showing com real commitment. No? Let's see how, how how is the implementation because we also have seen in the past years uh, 2030 and 2050 targets that evolve every year. <laughs> and they say, no, the X percent reduction by 2025 and then uh, X reduction by 2030 and so on. But they're... they're at least having these ambitious challenges is what really will drive change. Absolutely, and, and that they're finally walking the talk, or at least they're, they're saying that they, they will. So the, the urgency is there, I, I guess. Well, David, thank you very much for, for being today with us. Yeah, lo looking forward to catch up with you again. Thank, thank you. you, David. Thanks for inviting me and for the interesting conversation. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks. The views expressed in this podcast are my own and do not reflect the opinion of my current employer, TES. This episode was produced by Daniela Weiss. If you like this episode, please subscribe and give us a like. It really is important for us.